It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got Carol Markowitz at the bottom of the hour. Go inside this whole Cuomo scandal, and it's just growing by the day. Also, we're going to talk about what's happening at the border uh, and what is happening with the lockdown. Do you know they still are not back in high school in New York City? In New York City. We got dining, still waiting another two weeks to get up to speed. My goodness, 18 states have lifted their mask mandate. Can we get on board, please? Others have lifted restrictions. Even Maryland is getting on board. We're getting the shots. People cannot continue to live inside, wake up, uh, and start taking some risk. And there is risk in everything, but very little risk when it comes to schools. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. New York's embattled governor remains defiant in the face of a new allegation of inappropriate behavior. This comes from a current unidentified member of Governor Cuomo's staff in the executive mansion, according to a report by the Times Union of Albany. Then there were six. Yes, another woman is coming forward saying Governor Andrew Cuomo harassed her. Her name is not known, but did say what happened. It happened in the governor's mansion. Cuomo's remarks, the mounting pressure, and what New York state lawmakers are going to do. Number two. Because what we're finding today, by continuing to, to pay more for people who are unemployed and not giving them incentive to go back to work, you find this time and again, where's the accountability? Where's the work incentive to get people working again? Uh, that is Kevin McCarthy, of course. It's going to pass. The rescue package is popular because many are getting checks, but a closer examination will have you fuming. Also, the facts are missing when it comes to CDC guidelines on opening up schools. How do you I know? The doctors who provided the data for the CDC say... The CDC got it all wrong. It's not what they said. The bottom line is kids are safer in school than they are at home or at play. Number one. At this point, is this a crisis at the work? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Is there a crisis at the border? Do you believe that right now there is a crisis at the border? I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. Uh, We're not stupid. We've seen this movie. There's a crisis turning into a catastrophe at the border. It's a southern border invasion. The numbers are so horrific. Even the mass media is demanding answers. You just heard it from the Biden administration, and they seem to be crumbling. I understand the pressure. I'll bring you the numbers, the facts, and the latest on the crisis. So, by the way, Jen Psaki is going to have a border expert with her when she goes to a press conference today around 1 o'clock Eastern time. She should because she has no answers. She's embarrassing herself in the administration. You know, I felt bad. Press, it's tough being a press secretary under uh, President Trump because he was always talking to the press. And you'd say, wait, wait a second. Did he just change his philosophy? Did he get misinterpreted? Do I have to change my approach? With Joe Biden, it's just the opposite. He's not saying anything to anyone. So as press secretary, you're actually breaking news much more than you're supposed to. Cut one. There are reports out there that the number of unaccompanied migrants detained at the border has tripled in the last two weeks to 3,200 plus. Is that number accurate? 
I'm not going to confirm numbers from here. Uh, obviously, the Department of Homeland Security and others are oversee the programs and the engagements that happen at the border. Why won't you confirm that number? That's a very important number. Uh, I, 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 we've been very clear uh, that there is an increase, that there are more children coming across the border than we have facilities for at this point in time. Uh, those numbers are tracked by the Department of Homeland Security, so I'm certainly, I'm just suggesting that you talk to them about specifics. Well, we've talked to them, Jen. They won't confirm the numbers. We're not going to confirm them from the White House. It's not our program. It's not your program. It's your country. You're the executive branch. And it's not 3,200. It's 3,400. Because later they got the numbers and they realized you cannot punt on that question. These are people coming across the border illegally who we can't house, who you mocked the previous administration. I think you in particular, Jen Psaki, for not having control of the border. So now that you don't have the facilities, now that you open up the border, now that you stop building the wall, now that you stop with the remain in Mexico policy, and now they're showing up with T-shirts that say basically, let me in, Joe Biden. From three separate countries, you don't fly down and meet with the Guatemalan executives and Honduran executives and El Salvadoran executives. You don't find out why so many Brazilians are turning up. You don't do anything. You let people flood and you let the Border Patrol, who we don't know their politics, they just know security, are flat out being overwhelmed. Think about this. Mayors, Democratic mayors, yesterday we had Henry Cuellar on, and we'll pull some of that back, when he told you, I was in, I'm an expert on this, I have a PhD in this, I, I, I've seen what's happening at the border, I've worked with every administration, but they come down, Susan Rice comes down with a Biden de- delegation, they don't even tell him, they don't meet with him, just like they went to West Virginia and had Kamala Harris talk, put pressure on Joe Manchin without even telling Joe Manchin that they're landing uh, in town, and they get uh, incensed by this, and they're Democrats. How bad is it? Well, listen to this. In February, unaccompanied minors said it, uh, it's the highest it's been, uh, unprecedented uh, numbers over the last five years. Single adults make up the biggest portion of apprehensions. Why are they coming here? Single adults, when you could get a work visa, the story should be how easy it should be to get work visas to come here after a background check. U.S. authorities arrested and encountered in February 100,000-plus migrants on the U.S.-Mexican border. Uh, That over the last four weeks, ending on March 3rd, so mostly uh, February. What they're finding is 3,250. Now it's up to over 3,400. I'll give you some quotes of what they're saying when they come over. A 15-year-old who said he plans to try his luck at the U.S. border. He's on his way. He said... Donald Trump is no longer president, and there's a new one. So he doesn't, uh, he hears they get in because his name is President Biden. Quote, my friends have told me that the new president will be easier to enter the U.S. So the word on the street is it's easier to enter the U.S. Now you stop that, you fly down and meet with these people, the, the, uh, the president and the prime minister, whoever it is. Mrs. Velasquez, a mom, 32 years old, says people here uh, say this is a good moment. It's a good moment to leave for the border. The rumor is that children are allowed to enter and to stay. That's what you're fighting against, let alone the national security interests that certainly will pop up. So Governor Greg Abbott of Texas says, you got to be kidding me. We're not building the wall. We don't have enough border security. We don't have enough facilities. And worse yet, Some people are not just coming for a better life. Cut three. They've been brought here, basically trafficked here by drug cartels. And who knows what may have happened to those kids along the way. And every child who is let in uh, promotes uh, the cartels as well as uh, uh, these kids in other countries to go through that trek and and subject themselves to the horrors uh, that they go through. 
a far better thing for those kids, for those families, is to continue the policies and then make sure that the border is not going to be open. And I just thought, uh, Congressman Cuellar, and I feel so bad for these governors and these mayors because they're being overwhelmed from Washington, and the president won't even acknowledge it. He was there with a hardware store uh, owner talking about how they need a PPP loan. He gets some question shot at him, and he ignores it. How dare you ignore this? We're used to a president taking all questions, not being afraid. I don't know. Are they afraid to let him talk? Because the last time he was off script, he brought up Neanderthal policies of Texas governor, of the Texas governor. So here's Henry Cuellar, a Democrat from the border state. Cut forward. Let me talk about messaging. There's three messages uh, that are down there in the, uh, in the uh, Central America and other places. Uh, and message number one, uh, don't come now. Uh, come later. That's coming from the administration and from the secretary. Message number two, I call it the family friends network. Hey, guess what? I was able to get in. Uh, if you come in, you can get in right now. That's message number two. I call that the family friends network. The third message is from the criminal organizations. Hey, we can get you in. This is the time to get in. Now, you tell me, if you're down there what messages are you going to listen? They're not going to listen to message number one. They're going to listen to message number two, which is a family friend network, and uh, message number two, uh, three from the criminal organizations. That is the message that we're hearing right now. So that's a Democrat. That's the message. Easy to change a message. Easily to get a hold of that uh, president of Mexico and say, listen, we've got to get this thing going again. Can you get some more Marines on your southern border? Easy to fly down and meet with those three countries. Easy. Easy stuff. And we have leverage because we want to help them. We are helping them. And that aid stops unless you can stop your people. And you turn around and say, listen, I stopped the inflow. Can we loosen up the regulations? Because these are probably a lot of these are really good people, be a big asset in America. There's just got to be a line and a way and there's got to be a protocol. Because when these people come in through our southern border, you are telling the Costa Ricans, the Nigerians, the Norwegians, uh, people from all around the world, the people who sneak in are smarter than you. They pay no fines and they're more important than you. That's who you're guiding against. That's who the competition is. It's not people who don't uh, – administrations that like or don't like Hispanic people. It has nothing to do with it. 76. 76 New York state lawmakers are calling on Andrew Cuomo to resign or be impeached. Republicans are keeping their powder dry. They're not, they're not making it about them. They're making it about the accusers. And the nursing home situation, and they're smart. Because Governor Cuomo was quick to say this is pure politics. It's pure politics, really? Lindsay Boylan's a Democrat. She ran for a Manhattan Borough president. She used to work for you. She is continuing to go at you. On March 6th, she tweeted this out. Uh, for people who are making excuses for Andrew Cuomo, he, like his dad, is very, uh, very hands-on, very Italian, likes to touch people and kiss everyone. Lindsay Boylan writes, Richard Azario did a—by the way, that's a key aide of, of, of Governor Cuomo, uh, did our boss also touch your lower back, grasp for your waist too? You may have kissed. Uh, you say he kissed everyone. When did he plan a kiss on your lips or any of your colleagues? Ouch! No one's stopping. The accusers are getting bolder, and I'm not blaming them at all. I have no idea the truth, but I have no doubt that uh, I'm waiting. Charlotte Bennett uh, talked about the sexually charged questions. Uh, he kissed her on the lips. Wanted to play stri- uh, strip poker. Not a positive, okay? 
So now a sixth woman emerges, a sixth woman who uh, came forward and leveled allegations of sexual harassment or inappropriate conduct against Governor Cuomo, telling a supervisor in the executive chamber recently that the governor inappropriately touched her late last year during an encounter at the governor's mansion where he summoned her to do work. So I don't know what's going to happen here. But I know that he is getting more and more defiant. Here he is yesterday responding to the question on whether he'll step aside, cut 18. I'm not aware of any other claim. Uh, As I said last week, uh, this is very simple. I never touched anyone inappropriately. As I said last week, I never made any inappropriate advances. said last week, no one ever told me at the time that I made them feel uncomfortable. Uh, obviously, there are people who said after the fact they felt uncomfortable. Uh, nobody told me at that t- at the time. Interesting tactic. He'll take on everyone every day, continue to be out there in the public. He's hoping to wear people out. The next scandal, the next big story uh, will overwhelm his. Maybe the report comes out and it shows uh, inappropriate but not impeachable. And that's what he's hoping for. Uh, but then it comes to the nursing homes. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later with Carol Markowitz. He's punting to the federal government. He says Donald Trump's uh, CDC guidelines said put infected patients back in nursing homes. Okay. That's a yes or no. Carol Markowitz on that in a second. We come back. What's going to pass today? The $1.9 trillion spending package. We're going to be up around $6 trillion. We have spent or actually allocated over the last year because we're almost down to the day when Uh, when officials told us to shut everything down, put your life on hold, go home, and wait until you're asked to come back to work, to play, to school. So $6 trillion now will be in the pipeline. $1 trillion has already not been spent. Most of this not pandemic-related. Most of this not even going to be spent in 2022. How is this an emergency rescue if you're not coming to my rescue for another two years? 1-866-408-7669. one 408 7669 I'll take some calls. Then I'll Carol Markowitz bring us bring this story forward with Governor Cuomo. And then we'll find out if there's more to know and maybe take some more calls after that. And if you ever want the podcast, go to BrianKillmeShow.com. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere. Back in a moment. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in 
Blue Collar Trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The thing that they seem to have underestimated is that this is a bipartisan issue. This is not a a partisan, strictly left-right, Republican-Democrat issue. If you look at those border communities that are 90% Hispanic sometimes, when I go down there and speak to them, people who even, some of them, came across illegally and are now here legally, they don't want um, to have no border security. They are all very much in favor of border security. And you find that all over the country. And this is one of those false narratives narratives that has been created that doesn't match reality. See, he said, such a good point. Laura Logan's not political. She's saying, do you understand the American people are outraged by this? That the Hispanic people in this country, for the most part, are not happy that it's a, it's an, it's a sieve at the border and you broke it and it was fixed? Jerry, listen to WOKV. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Um, typically call your show and let everyone know that I'm a Democrat. At this point, I'm a Latino um, and I'm a Democrat. Um, I agree with you. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and argue. Um, you're right. Uh, we have laws. Um, there's a way to get in. We definitely need to reform that way. Um, and we definitely need to take care of the dreamers. But this is the issue that I have. We actually need people to come into this country yep. and do jobs that Americans, Absolutely. honestly, Brian, Absolutely. won't do. Absolutely. Uh, You're 100 percent right. Jerry, if you secure the border, it stops Republicans from saying, I don't want to deal with this. It stops Republicans. Republicans will not start talking. And I agree with them until you give border security. So you could say, hey, Trump is building three uh, paid for 200 more miles of wall. All right. I'll, I'll do it. And then we'll talk about the rest because there's technology with it. And then let's talk about what we're doing with day workers, what we're doing with green cards, what we're doing with the backlog of people that are here in this country that are waiting to see if they can get citizenship. And then let's debate on the lottery system and chain migration. Then we can get to an intellectual debate. But right now, don't say you want to sit down and talk to me about uh, about comprehensive immigration reform when you won't even do this. I believe Jerry, too. Laura Logan's right. Democrats are upset by this. Ryan, listen on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Brian. I just think this whole administration, the optics and the reality are all the same. It's deliberate ignorance, um, you know, at the border. Uh, and my, my thought to you and your insight on it is what's the national security risk here? Are, are those not being weighed at all in this situation? They're not talking about it. But you know who was? Lindsey Graham yesterday cut. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Six. It's a humanitarian crisis. 
it's going to be an economic crisis for our cities along the border. And eventually, it's going to be a national security crisis because they're children today, but they could easily be terrorists tomorrow. This is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Al-Qaeda and ISIS would, do not, would love nothing more than to hit us again on the 20th anniversary to show that they're still alive and well. And this border insecurity is a great way for terrorists to come into our country just to blend in with this group. Yeah, I mean, we've always thought that. We've always worried about that. And if you think that Iran is still not looking to get us back for Soleimani's uh, execution, take out the terrorist in Iraq out to kill and plot and plan against us again, who's killed, who was part of killing more Americans than anybody else, if you think they're not looking to come finding some type of vulnerability, you're not been paying attention. Listen, when we come back, I'm going to go inside this Cuomo situation. Remember the man, uh, America's governor? Well, he's a fraud. And he made a million dollars while we were dying this pandemic. And we're still locked out of this pandemic. And finally, the chickens are coming home to roost. We'll give you the details when we return with Carol Markowitz, New York Post. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think it's a big mistake. I hope everybody's realized by now you can't make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Really? Okay. It's amazing the way the anger gets directed at Texas and Mississippi and uh, the 18 states that lift their mask mandates. No one talks about Connecticut, who didn't lift their mask mandates, but almost lifted all restrictions because guess what? They want to start doing things again, and they want to start getting their economy going again and letting people live their lives again. Carol Markowitz and I have been talking about this. Uh, it seems like 10 years. It's only been one. Columnist for the New York Post. We're still trying to open up all our schools. We're in Florida. They're saying we never close them outside the first month in April. Carol, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about this forever. I know. And, but, and you've been fighting back and been relentless. And, and you just point out, too, that, you know, we had this go- the governor make his announcement and say we're going to lift mass mandate. And we're going to let businesses go up to 100 percent. And anger was everywhere. The same way they seem to rejoice in the fact that they were unprepared for that winter freeze that came out of nowhere. They seem to get, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all these states angry at them for opening up. Yeah, it's it's really baffling to me that the states with the worst performance think that they have something to say about how to fight COVID. It's uh, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, all of these states performed worse than Texas. Um, It's crazy that you know, the, the the lockdown is the only thing that works argument keeps being used again and again when it hasn't worked. It'd be one thing if it did work, if they succeeded, if they could show better numbers, if they could show better results, but they don't. And so their argument that there's only one way to fight this is just, you know, ridiculous to me. So you point out in your column 
that, you know, New York is uh, Governor Cuomo bragging 98 percent compliance when it comes to masks. Seven out of 10 states with the highest number of covid deaths per capita have mass mandates. And the one that is uh, is an embarrassment to the country is California. They ruin lives, lock the place down. Nobody goes to school who don't in public school. He's about to get recalled. And yet Florida, who opened up, everybody's been in school for 11 of the 12 months. They're the ones who are almost were quarantined as a state, but yet their numbers right. are better. How can they continue to try to jam these restrictions down our throats? That's absolutely right. What did California win with their ridiculous lockdowns? Absolutely nothing. Um, you know, the, the quote that you said about Governor Cuomo, that New York is 98% compliance in mask, mask wearing, he made that, he said that in the end of November, right before New York's pretty serious winter spike. So what did we win with 98% mask compliance? All of it makes no sense. Like you can't point to these policies and say, look how well we're fighting COVID when it doesn't actually end up fighting COVID. It's unbelievable to me that this isn't a widespread mockery, that people aren't laughing at these governors who um, have destroyed their states and gotten nothing for it, not had any better success than anywhere else. They haven't. And if you look per capita, Florida's right in the middle. And if you look at the places yeah. where everyone's moving to, it's Florida. Now you have a right. governor riled in scandal, another one about to be recalled. So there is some justice in this world. My hope is that people will see uh, that aren't way to the left like AOC, that Democrats will see this is not political. This is putting vesting in people to act responsible and not tell them we're taking your liquor license because somebody in in your kitchen had dropped their mask. That's not the way to live. We didn't run a red light. You made up rules and waited for somebody to bend them in a way you could hurt them financially. Yeah. I I really wish that national Republicans would capitalize on this some more because really the the main thing that they should be saying is these blue states have barely had school and they should push for school choice and other conservative priorities right now because the middle is listening. They haven't had their kids in school. They're tired of it. They don't want to go back to these same policies that have failed their states. And I think national Republicans should be just hitting this constantly. If if I'm them, that's that's all I'm talking about. The fact that kids aren't in school, the the gap between them, uh, the inequality is increasing and we need to do something about it. All right. A couple of things with uh, Governor Cuomo. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, he's now has a sixth <laughs> accuser, and he was surprised to find that out on the one call, phone call. And before you came on, Carol, I played it. So I'll play a different one from the same conference call, Cut 19. I'm focusing on my job. My job is vaccines, getting a budget done, rebuilding New York. Second, Dan, you don't know any facts. You know allegations. You don't know facts. Let's operate on facts. And we have an investigation, qualified investigators, picked by the attorney general. Let's get the facts, and then we can have a discussion on the facts. His attorney general has his future in it, not his, but the attorney general in New York has his future in her hands. You know about, like, when, when columnists like you work the New York area, you understand yeah. things before you before they come out. Is, is he going to like the facts when they are confirmed by the attorney general? 
Well, I just love that now that a Democrat is accused, we wait for facts. Yep. When was that the case? <laughs> Usually allegations are more than enough to think a Republican. Um, yeah, you know, I I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. Um, there's actually a picture of one of the allegations. So, you know, photographs At the wedding. Are, are much harder to uh, <laughs> to debate. Um, you know, my, my overall concern is that he waits this out and wins the fourth term. I, I think that the media did such a job on him uh, throughout this process where they've elevated him on a pedestal. They've made him this COVID hero. And I, I can see New Yorkers still believing in that and him winning another term. We don't have a recall process in New York. And it's really unfortunate right now because I think Today, he might not win, but by the time the election comes around and, and the media you know, gives him the glowing coverage, he might be right back to it. The Daily News is lauding him. He says, we still should laud him. It's amazing. If I yeah. worked at that paper, I'd resign. Families of the New York nursing home victims are demanding he forfeit the million-plus dollars he's earned from his book. Uh, they came out and said those seniors who died after contracting the coronavirus while in nursing homes told Fox News they believe the governor should donate the money he received from his book. American crisis, leadership lesson of COVID-19 pandemic to various foundations. I don't see that happening because the ego that is, most people would show good leadership by not stepping back and writing a book. He's already showed he's a terrible leader by even wanting to write this book. You know, forget even about handing over any of that money. Um, We haven't gotten an apology from him. The only people that have gotten an apology from the Cuomo administration got it from Melissa DeRosa, one of his aides. uh, And it was only the the New York State Democrats she apologized to. And she said, you know, I'm sorry this was very difficult for you politically. And that's really kind of what blew up the story about the the nursing home number cover-up. But that's the only people that they've decided to apologize to, their political allies, and that's it. Um, None of the families have gotten an apology. He keeps denying that there was any issue at all. And anybody paying attention to the story knows it's been going on for a long time. The media has completely glossed over it. Even now, they they barely touch it. They're not even talking Mm. about the sixth accuser. Um, You know, they want to protect their own. Yeah, and the accusers are not quieting down. They're all Democrats. Charlotte Bennett mm-hmm. uh, came out, tweeted yesterday. Lindsey Boylan tweeted yesterday. They're not going away. And this other one, we don't know her name yet, but we know where it took place. So the governor's mansion, we'll see if that expands. And there's others that come forward. But uh, a couple of things. When it comes to the nursing homes, I would argue more serious. And when it comes to the changing of the numbers, first it was 5,000, then it was 9,000, then it was really 15,000. Then we find out through the Wall Street Journal and New York Times reporting, you guys also did some, that said um, there was a sense among the, uh, health officials, there was a pushback by his staff to lessen the numbers right when his book was about to come out because was, yeah. the, our theory goes it would make him look bad. But listen to what he said about the nursing home situation. He blames Trump. Cut 20. Uh, the question was, did the March 25th DOH memo create more deaths at nursing homes? That was the question. That was the charge by President Trump starting last year. That was the constant political refrain. The March 25th memo was a mistake, caused deaths. That was the whole issue. Uh, Now, it was nonsensical on its face, right? Uh, Because the March 25th memo followed federal guidance, which everybody agreed to. Uh, If 
the federal guidance was wrong, why didn't they change the federal guidance? States were still following the same guidance. It's, did you do something wrong on March 25th? And the answer was no. COVID came in from the staff. He said COVID came in from the staff. It didn't come in when they put infected patients back in nursing homes. There's no facts to prove that. And he's blaming the federal government's mandate to put infected patients back in nursing homes. Yeah. I mean, so then why didn't other states do that? Why? How come very few states Michigan, New Jersey, terrible decisions like that? Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was a handful of states that that went against common sense and readmitted patients who are COVID positive into their nursing homes. And so you can look at other states that did not do that. And there, there was no federal guidance saying, you know, readmit um, patients. And if you listen to any of his press conferences at the time, he was very defiant and was saying that if the nursing homes can't handle these patients, they'll, they'll lose funding and they'll, they'll go out of business. And I, I'm, that those kinds of threats really mattered in the moment. And you know, the fact that he still can't take any responsibility for it is just mind-boggling. That's really the worst part, is that his Democratic allies um, are still not making him take responsibility for it. You know, they, they have to make him say, I'm sorry, and he did something wrong here. Yeah, I mean, it's so beyond that now, because no one would even right. begin to accept the apology, because he's saying yeah. the federal government did it, so I followed it. Now suddenly he's doing that. Do you know that he blew up his whole pandemic plan that was put together by health officials? The health officials, nine or nine or 11 of them have quit, and the main reason they quit is because they were, they were finding out about their policies by watching his press conferences. It was mm-hmm. policy by press conference, and they said, no, we're not, I can't sign on to this anymore. Right. And he had Dr. Fauci come and give him to one of his press conferences and assure everybody that he's doing everything just great. Um, It's really baffling that that anybody lets him get away with this. And none of none of his policies make sense. I've pointed it out again and again in my different pieces. But it's if, if any of the policies work, that would be one thing. But the fact that he destroyed New York and really got nothing for it is amazing to me. And he's getting bailed out. He's getting bailed out, too. Well, even with the bailout, it's still, you know, the state is still in deep trouble and the city even more so. And he knows it. In in January, he said, if we don't open soon, we'll have nothing left to open. And as if he's lecturing the guy who really is governor, but that's him and he should be opening. So Texas, we should be following them and and doing exactly what they're doing and opening Uh, um, up and Yep. And not asking for something for free uh, and say, at least you work way through it. Real quick, are your kids back in school? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. They're, um, they're one of my, my daughters and my, sorry, my daughter is not, my, my sons are, yeah. And she's not because? Um, she's remote, yeah, all remote. Wow. So she has no option? No, there's nothing. Uh, so high schools aren't back? Yeah. No, mid, it's middle, yeah. Middles aren't uh, back. Yeah, her school's not. You know who is? The Catholic schools. Yeah. How do they do it? <laughs> Friday, I'm going to go out with uh, Cardinal Dolan, and we're going to go to a Catholic school, and they're going to talk about what they did and why they stayed open. And it might just save them, and I hope it does. Yeah, time, time, maybe time for me to convert. <laughs> I think you do. I think we can get you in. I can get you a special exemption. Uh, all right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank Carol Markowitz so will continue Thank to read you. the New York Post, one 408 I see your calls up there. Back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Rules and, and things issued by the CDC... I mean, they're so arbitrary, this kind of notion that if you're vaccinated, you can now hang out with people, but only if you are vaccinated. If you are vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask and socially distance from people. I mean, this is not only non-scientific, it's illogical. It doesn't pass a common sense test. These things are just uh, sort of out of control. Sort of, totally out of control. The CDC give these limited freedom where if you're vaccinated and waited two weeks, you got both your vaccinations if it's not Johnson & Johnson, you can go visit people that are also vaccinated and hang out with them without a mask. Really? Tough. If I get vaccinated, no mask, that's it. Oh, well, you could still carry it. I could still carry, I could still carry anything. We have a way to treat this. We know who's susceptible for this. If people don't want you coming over, they don't want you coming over. I'm not going to walk outside without a ma- with a mask anyway. It's a wide open setting, number one. Number two, if I get vaccinated, forget it. That's why you got vaccinated. Keith is in upstate New York. Keith, you're still in the middle of lockdown even though your infection rate is low? Yes, sir. Where? Uh, Plattsburgh, New York. Right by Canada. Why? Yes, sir. Uh, we have no idea. Uh, and we're finding that it, it, it's not standard across the across the board. I mean, some schools are back in school full time. Some schools are back two days. Some schools are all remote. It makes zero sense. But uh, um, we live in a small area, and, and, and our big store is like a Walmart. And you go into Walmart, and there's got to be, you know, 500 people walking around in there. It makes no sense at all. But how do you kids respond? Um. I got one that's really excelling. I got a senior that is on high honors looking at some colleges. Um, and she's doing all right, but she's having to work exceptionally hard. Um, I mean, she's up all nights of the hours on a computer. And Keith, think and about have, this. Her senior year. Her senior yes, year. She's on a computer by herself. Yes, sir. Can't even go visit colleges in New York. Um, has to do it virtually. Oh. It's crazy. You know, there's, there's one but, thing that's necessary sacrifice. World War II, we get it, you know. We had to shut our lights at night. We had to make sure we got to wash it. And we'll all pitch in. We got it. This is overkill and killing people. Yes, sir. And, and the vaccinations up here in upstate New York are, are, are rolling uh, – uh, we're doing we're doing great. I mean, we really are. I, I don't know what the holdup is uh, to get things back to normal here. Yeah, it's it's a governor that doesn't care. He's going to get bailed out anyway. Meanwhile, uh, your life matters. So do your kids. Thanks, Keith. Peter, you're online in Philly. Peter. Uh, I'm calling because uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the cancel culture. Uh, with Disney canceling Peter Pan and Dumbo and the Aristocats, I think it's time that people who are against this need to do some sort of fighting back. And I know it's not the adult thing to do, but I think boycotting these places would certainly help. It may wake somebody up, maybe even uh, changing the board of directors by the stockholders who vote. But something's got to be done about this. This is out of, out of its mind. And just so you know, you're not making this up. Films pulled from the children's profile, which means an adult has to clear you if you're on your Netflix account or your Disney Plus account. Dumbo, Peter Pan, Swiss Family Robinson, and the Aristocrats. What's wrong with the Aristocrats? The program includes negative depictions or mistreatment of people of culture. 
Really? How the hell did we grow up with all these horrible feelings on cartoons? Disney should be so proud of their past. Now they have to apologize for it and ban it themselves. Do you know Newton's laws are now called the three fundamental laws of physics? You know what they are? One high school in New York is reportedly calling, um, they're going to get rid of them because uh, they decent and want to decenter whiteness from physics. Too much whiteness in physics. I did not know you could see color in math, but evidently you can. We should not tolerate this. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. From New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, this hour, going to be joined by Tim Pool and a matter of moments, Congressman Michael Walt, who did something impossible. He got a bunch of Democrats and Republicans to find out, sign on to one thing. You'll learn about that thing shortly. Uh, a little in the afternoon today, uh, Jen Psaki, after being embarrassed for the last two weeks about her lack of knowledge and candor when it comes to the border, she's going to have an expert on with her, the former ambassador to Mexico up until 2018, who's now playing a key role in border security, which is lack thereof, I should say. Uh, we'll talk. She'll have some help because uh, Joe Biden, will, the, as president of the United States, is answering almost zero questions. They will not let him answer any questions. He has not gone down to the border. He hasn't sent his secretary of state to the triangle countries who are sending all their people here. I'm not sure what's going on. Is it flat out incompetence or is it diabolical? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. New York's embattled governor remains defiant in the face of a new allegation of inappropriate behavior. This comes from a current unidentified member of Governor Cuomo's staff in the executive mansion, according to a report by the Times Union of Albany. Yep, uh, there was no network coverage, but that was WNBC local in New York. Now there are six. Another woman has come forward saying Governor Cuomo harassed her. Her name is not known, which he did, and where it happened is Governor Cuomo, uh, Governor's Mansion, uh, and it happened a, long, a short time ago. Cuomo's remarks uh, are, and there were mounting pressure on him from New York State lawmakers coming your way. Number two. Because what we're finding today, by continuing to, to pay more for people who are unemployed and not giving them incentive to go back to work, you find this time and again, where's the accountability? Where's the work incentive to get people working again? Kevin McCarthy talking about the big $1.9 trillion handout. The rescue package is popular because many are getting checks, but a closer examination will have you fuming. Also, the facts are missing when it comes to the CDC guidelines and keeping schools closed. Why? How do we know? Because the doctors that gave these CDs the facts and the studies say the CDC is interpreting them all wrong. They had to write an editorial in USA Today to get it out. Number one. At this point, is this a crisis at the border? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Is there a crisis at the border, sir? Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. Southern border invasion. The numbers are so horrific that even the mass media is demanding answers from the Biden administration. Those were not Fox voices. I understand the pressure. I'll bring you the numbers, the facts, and the latest on the crisis. 
And let's start doing that now. Uh, and before we get to Congressman Michael Waltz and what he's doing uh, on Iran, I want to get to the congressman from Florida on this. Congressman, you know, these are NBC, ABC, and CBS are starting to ask questions now. The numbers are so overwhelming. Unaccompanied minors, over 3,000 single men are numbering over 100,000 over the last few months. They can't deny it now. Well, they're they're trying, Brian. <laughs> they're trying. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is absolutely right. You know, this isn't a crisis. This is a disaster. Uh, and it's it's just so unnecessary. It's a disaster of Biden's making. Uh, and, it, and it just plays into anything President Trump did. They just want to do uh, they're, they're just determined to do the opposite, even when he had very good policies in place that love him or hate him. He had gotten this problem uh, uh, under control. And, you know, the other piece, Brian, I'll just remind everybody, a pipeline, a smuggling route, a tunnel that can move people, can move drugs, can also move weapons, can move terrorists, can move anything. Because those criminal groups, those cartels could care less. Uh, And we saw it, uh, you know, we saw it front and center when the Iranian regime, when Hezbollah worked with Mexican drug uh, gangs to smuggle in the things necessary to bomb uh, places in Washington, D.C., should we go, uh, should we ever have any type of conflict. So this is a national security issue, uh, and and the administration wants to make it a a feel-good humanitarian issue, and they just couldn't be more wrong. Uh, I just don't think it is. I don't think anyone's buying it, even the networks. DHS officials have confirmed to Fox and others the number of migrant children in custody along the border has tripled in two weeks. It's over 3,250. Now, when I guess ABC followed up with that embarrassing scenario where— Jen Psaki uh, said, really, it's not her problem. Don't have the numbers. Go go back to Homeland Security. It turns out it's over 3,400 now, and 1,360 have been held for longer than the three days. Remember, the New York yeah. Times called it prison-like, jail-like for the kids who come here unaccompanied. Donald Trump was looked at as somebody worse than, the, uh, worse than Hitler for— Locking up unaccompanied minors in an area which kept them from strangers, adults, in facilities like this. Now they're all being overwhelmed. Have you talked to Democrats that see this as an issue? Well, you know, just to your point on on Jen Psaki and whether it's the White House's problem, DHS is executing White House executive orders. It's absolutely the White House's problem. The president signed those uh, executive orders. And now you have Border uh, Patrol agents out there letting them go. Uh, it's catch and release. They literally do not have the facilities. And what we're digging into now is, uh, is this move to use VA facilities and to start using military facilities. So now we're going to start taking facilities away from our veterans and facilities that the military should be using to handle this flood of migrants because Biden sent the word out. Uh, that that our that our doors are open, you know, and and talking to a number of reasonable Democrats, yeah, they know that this is going to be a growing problem uh, for them. Uh, the networks really have ignored it until it's now become a total crisis and a disaster. So I think you're going to see a lot of them shift uh, in in the coming weeks because it's just not it's not sustainable. We can't sustain this kind of flood of people coming across. Susan Rice goes down to the border, didn't even tell anybody, including Democratic officials. They're there for hours instead of days, weeks. Listen to what Henry Cuellar told us yesterday, Democrat from Texas, cut 39. 
Well, you know, without due respect, uh, I don't think no member of Congress uh, got uh, told that. They came uh, into my district uh, in the southern part uh, of uh, the valley. Then they came to my hometown of Laredo. Then they drove into Tony Gonzalez. So there were at least three, four members that I think they should have given the courtesy to let them, uh, let them know. And again, without due respect, coming in for a few hours uh, doesn't substitute for people uh, on the border that live there and uh, talk to Border Patrol, talk to NGOs uh, all the time. We don't just go in for a few hours and think that we know the better the border better. So you can hear his disdain and <laughs> anger and uh, disenchantment in his voice, right? Well, l- listen, Brian, let me just say something about Susan Rice. She was a disaster as Obama's national security advisor, whether it was Libya or Cuba or Bergdahl. We could go down uh, Syria red line that turned out to be a nothing line. We can go down the list, and she's going to be a disaster as the head of the Domestic Policy Council uh, as, as well. So it doesn't surprise me uh, that she really didn't inform anyone, isn't working collaboratively. But what does surprise me a bit is that uh, that the president isn't going himself. Um, you know that he's that he's delegating this down. Yeah, it, well, I shouldn't say it, does, it surprises me, but I think it's really disappointing, the lack of leadership there. And it really goes to show and makes many of us question who's calling the shots in the White House. Uh, yeah, and it turns out that Kamala Harris, with no experience virtually, is running the foreign policy, meeting one-on-one with, with foreign heads of state without Joe Biden there. And he's at, Joe Biden's <laughs> meeting with the, with the uh, owner of a hardware store yesterday and refuses to take any questions. A hardware store. So here we go. Yeah. It's a little different from the last president. So a couple other things I want to talk about. What gave you the motivation and initiative to go out and get Republicans and Democrats to sign on on a plan to approach Iran holistically, not just on nuclear, but everything else? And what did you find on the Democratic side when you reached out? Well, before Biden was even sworn in, uh, a group of Democrats sent a letter and put it out there as, a, as kind of a public notice, just get back into the Iran deal. Just get back in blindly, uh, no preconditions. Uh, and, and I knew a lot of Democrats had issue with that, but I wanted to get them out there on the record uh, and show that there is, there is bipartisan consensus. Repub- 70 Republicans, 70 Democrats agree that uh, – any future deal has to incorporate missiles, has to incorporate the weaponization, has to incorporate uh, Biden, I mean, excuse me, uh, the Iranian regime's support of terrorism and the fact that right now as we speak, Brian, they're holding U.S. hostages. Why does that matter back here at home? Let me tell you something. If Iran breaks out with a nuclear weapon that can hit Israel or Europe or further uh, on the top of an ICBM, the entire Middle East is going to go nuclear. The Saudis, the Turks, uh, uh, the UAE and others, and that is horrific for the world. And the deal that they had before had sunset provisions. You know all the issues, and it, uh, you couldn't have a real inspection regime. Uh, you had to give months of notification. Right. You couldn't go to their military sites. had all kinds of problems. So I wanted to put a marker out with 70 Democrats saying not so fast. Here's what a deal needs to look like. It needs to stop all of Iran's bad behavior, not just one piece of its nuclear program. How many signatures you get on this? We got 70, uh, 70 Democrats and 70 Republicans. And I think that's a very strong message to the administration. And now the administration's talking the talk. They're saying, oh, yeah, we agree we should have all of that, too. But quietly, we're already seeing the moves 
of the, you know, the giveaway program to the Iranian regime where they're quietly telling other countries like South Korea, Iraq, uh, Oman to freeze, to unfreeze assets and, and let the cash giveaway begin back to the Iranian regime. It's, the, it's just the wrong thinking that we saw in Obama. If we're nice to them, if we give enough to them, they'll be nice to us back. Wrong answer. Keep the maximum pressure campaign uh, going, and they'll come back to the table from a position of weakness. Yeah, there are enemies list. Just by the way, their actions with Saudi Arabia publishing that report, number one. Number two, uh, telling them we're not giving selling them arms sales for now, and yep. uh, we're no longer supporting their operations in Yemen. That got the Houthi rebels so emboldened, they are rocketing the oil fields now in Saudi Arabia. So congratulations. Yeah, that's right. Congratulations. Yeah. And Good they job. Took the Houthis, and they took the Houthis off the terrorism list. So here's how it affects us at home, right? Oil and gas has already uh, spiked a dollar since uh, a dollar per gallon. And then at the same time, they want to take out uh, – the Biden wants to take down the pipeline, the Keystone pipeline, and then go after fracking. So we become more dependent on Middle East uh, oil, less energy independent starts hurting our economy. And meanwhile, we have a giveaway program to the Iran regime, uh, which is going to cause instability in the Middle East. Uh, It's just, like I said, wrong all around. And I wanted to get 70 Democrats on the record publicly saying not so fast. Yeah, uh, total incompetence. It's not a bad policy. It's no policy. It's not even putting your hand on the brake. It's not not getting in the car, let alone uh, heading in the wrong direction. So you, lastly, uh, on China, they're making it clear, back off when it comes to Taiwan. There are reports yesterday within six years uh, by, the, yep. by the, uh, the admiral in charge, within six years they plan on moving on taking out Taiwan. What will we do? In the meantime, you do not believe we should be going over there in 2022 for the Winter Olympics. You are calling for a boycott. The first one since yep. 1980, and then the Russians boycotted us in 1984. Listen, we have to look. I know a lot of people look back at 1980 and say, what good did it do? I look back at times when we probably should have boycotted and we didn't. And then what happened? We know what Germany did after 1936. A lot of people don't realize that the Russians invaded Crimea and the Ukraine just two months after the Sochi Olympics. Look at everything that China has done since 2008 when they had the Olympics not that long ago. And just 11 months from now, the entire world will essentially shrug their shoulders and let Beijing have that global platform to whitewash everything they've done with the coronavirus cover-up, ongoing genocide as we speak uh, in Western China with concentration camps and forced sterilization of Uyghur women, not to mention stamping out freedom in Hong Kong. And I'm telling you, Taiwan will be next. These authoritarian regimes, when the entire world says, eh, it's okay, no big deal, Let's give you uh, let's give you a platform for your propaganda that the Olympics turns into. Uh, bad things happen afterwards historically. Not to mention, Brian, all of these companies that are so woke, that are so determined to you know support social justice here in the United States, like Nike and Coca-Cola and Adidas and NBC, but yet they're going to turn a blind eye as people are being tortured and imprisoned, uh, and they make billions over in the Beijing Olympics. Enough is enough. Let's call it out. Uh, I'm thrilled to be joined by Newt Gingrich, Mike Pompeo, uh, Nikki Haley, and now Senator Marsha Blackburn over in the Senate has joined this call for a boycott. Let's see what Joe Biden says as president of the United States. Uh, That's going to be right on his uh, doorstep. Uh, Congressman Michael Waltz, always great. Thank you. All right. See you soon, Brian. Go get him. Uh, Meanwhile, Tim Poole at the bottom of the hour, independent journalist, commentator, outstanding podcast. And you're next, 1-866-408-408. 
7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We inherited a real mess. We inherited the facilities we have. We uh, are committed to a policy that uh, follows the rule of law and that is humane. Uh, And we are doing our best to surge capacity in the border, uh, particularly for these children who arrive here without parents, to house them in a way that's safe, to house them in a way that's humane. That is Ron Klain, chief of staff for President Biden. Are you kidding me? You inherited a mess? You inherited a wall that was financed. You did not have a border crisis. The minute you were elected, it was the go sign because President Biden ran on the fact that he's going to stop with border security. And he was never going to put kids in cages. But he's got kids in cages. Guess where where Trump inherited him from? Vice President Biden's administration run by President Obama. That's where the 2014 pictures came from. He inherited anything but a mess. This was not an issue. In fact, Mark Morgan was there, worked for President Obama, and then worked for President Trump. And there were problems. And they had to keep working, keep working, keep working until they could fix the problem. And the Remain in Mexico fixed the problem. The Southern, the Marine, Mexican Marines fixed the problem. The deals cut with the Triangle countries, originally denying them aid, fixed the problem. And then pushing aid back in there when they addressed the problem. And Mark Morgan continues to say that this was something that was fixed. Ben Dominich of The Federalist, now with Fox News 11. In terms of the border issues that you mentioned earlier, the, the fact is that we see a situation now where Joe Biden's policy is fueling and supporting cartels in Mexico that are making enormous amounts of money by transporting people to the border and across it. We saw the reporting, uh, our own reporting at The Federalist, and then followed up today by Reuters that confirms that these people are giving, being given uh, wristbands, the kind of which you might have at a water park, in order to confirm yeah. that they paid in order to cross the border. And that's something that I think uh, should concern all Americans about our security. Yeah, there is huge security. So check this out. Things are so bad on the border, they've shut down the bridges at some of the checkpoints. CBP has shut down a highway checkpoint that's been overwhelmed. The agency is shutting down three checkpoints, one in Wilcott, Arizona, another further until further notice as personnel are being used instead to deal with the influx of migrants at the other areas of the border. That according, according to an internal document that Fox was able to get. DHS officials confirmed so far the number of migrant children is at least 3,250. I heard on ABC it's up to about 3,400 plus. More than 1,360 have been there more than 72 hours, which is a violation of the law. But they don't let the cameras in, and Jen Psaki has not been briefed on it yet, but she'll circle back. When we come back, Tim Pool. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We cannot allow our country to be run by leftist oligarchs in Silicon Valley. It's as simple as that. They cannot control speech. They should not be able to control commerce. And so we have unveiled a series of big tech reforms that are the strongest anywhere in the country. If you deplatform a candidate, you're getting fined $100,000 a day. If you deplatform or censor an individual Floridian, they have the ability to potentially sue you under our Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act. So can our state attorney general can go after big tech. And then your privacy. They take all your data privacy. They make all this money. You should have the ability to opt out of that. Just because you buy a phone, that doesn't mean they should be able to track you every minute of the day. And that is Governor DeSantis told me that last Friday. We did a spend a day together talking about the various issues and seeing how he's handling the pandemic and keeping things opened up rather than locked down like the city I'm in now in New York. Uh, joining us now is Tim Poole, an independent journalist, commentator, very successful podcast. Tim, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, so Tim, first off, you kind of burst on the scene where Occupy Wall Street protests back in 2011? Oh, yeah. A while back. What, what did you do there? So I began live streaming. I had a mobile phone. It was the advent of, you know, for like the first time you could just use a mobile phone to broadcast to the world. It caught a lot of journalists off guard being able to watch in real time what was happening on the ground during these protests. And I guess the big moment for me was when I did a 22-hour long broadcast in New York. People were running to bring me batteries because this was when the police had started clearing the park out. I think for a lot of people in America, they had not realized this technology was, you know, right here. And for me, I was just, you know, some guy who showed up and said, hey, look what I can do. And I did it. And then from there, it just, you know, we rapidly expanded uh, in terms of technology and social media and independent broadcasting. And, you know, here we are now, I guess. Wow. Fusion TV was one of your employers. Vice is one of your employers. How would you characterize your views? Um, you know, it's almost impossible to determine what it even means to be left, right, liberal, conservative these days. Because yep. I'm from Chicago. I've always been. You know, I voted for Obama in 2008. I was really let down on the war issue. And I've always considered myself to be fairly liberal. My family is life, you know, they're all lifelong Democrats. But now when you look to the Democratic Party, it's unrecognizable. When I talk to my friends who are still Democrat voters, they seem to be, I don't want to be, I, I, it may sound biased, but uninformed. And then when I talk to my friends who have either rejected the Democratic Party or decided to vote for Trump, they seem to know a bit more about what's going on. They seem to be more concerned. So, yeah, I mean, and who knows? We know that he, a lot of people, a lot of Republicans don't want any part of Trump. A lot live yeah, and die with him. And a lot of Democrats, I just saw the Democratic delegation walked out in Nevada because the leadership went over to the Democratic Socialists. They said, I cannot handle this. I'm out of here. Yeah, I think that's, that, that, that to me is scary, actually, because we're, we're seeing polarization. The, the, the Democratic Socialists, many of which are overly you know, woke into this critical theory stuff, which I think is horrifying. It's one of the things that really scares me about the Democratic Party today. And you see the Republican Party has become the party of Trump, and these people are often at each other's throats. So as the, the Democratic establishment can't, you know, they can't maintain 
any kind of moderate ideology and the left is just coming in and taking ground, I think politics in this country is going to start getting way more extreme. And I'm really worried about you know, violence and, and riots. You know, we've, got, we've got the Chauvin trial now in, in Minneapolis, which people are already assuming no matter what happens, there's going to be more leftist riots. That's the stuff that freaks me out and makes me worried about you know, where we're headed as a country. I do hope this, and I have a different theory. My hope is that people are going to look at the, what's happened in San Francisco where they're financing at $65,000 a year per tent for the homeless population to thrive. And they're seeing what's happening in California with the illegal immigrants come one, come all. And I think some are seeing with the cancel culture, most, almost all of it comes from the left and now bleeding to other countries from our country. And I think a lot of people are saying, count me out. Count me out yeah, of this no. craziness. I agree. And I, and I hope more people wake up. You know, just the other day, we, we have this big story, I guess. Pepe Le Pew, a cartoon character, is now being removed. He, they canceled him. He's fired from his job. He's not even a real creature. He's not even a real person. He's a cartoon character. They got rid of him because, you know, it's, it's, it's offensive, I guess. But even Whoopi Goldberg on The View said, I don't understand what they're doing. Why are they doing this? Stop erasing things. And I'm like, yes. Like, I, I think it's fine to criticize, you know, uh, art from the past if you think it was offensive, but to just start banning and purging and erasing and, you know, look, I think it's silly to talk about the cartoon characters, to be completely honest, or Dr. Seuss, but it's, it's grains of sand making a heap. They keep chipping away, and I think the bigger issue was the tearing down of all these statues. But I will say in regards to the, the cartoon character stuff, at least you're now seeing people like Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, I, I guess liberals finally realizing, hey, they're taking your cartoons away. They're taking your children's books, and it's actually starting to get at least some of them to realize cancel culture is not going to stop, and they're going to eventually cancel you, and they're going to take your job. Bill Maher is saying the same exact thing, and don't tell me he's a, a right-wing zealot. He's anything but. So I'm talking with Tim Poole now. So, Tim, just off my first soundbite that I got from Governor DeSantis, he saw what Big Tech did to the president in particular and others since. And he's saying, and by the way, that even uh, alarmed Angela Merkel and other leaders around the world. They basically said you're not allowed on social media. These competitors united to cancel the president. So he cannot get on Twitter. He's releasing statements now. And he came out with a program that says if you start deplatforming people, you are now susceptible to legal action. Do you think that's where this other states have to do this? Yes. And I'll tell you what's really funny is, like I said, I've always considered myself fairly, fairly liberal. I've always been you know, on the side of we've got, we got to regulate these big corporations that are you know, violating the rights of people. And here I am still in the same place like, wow, it's really bad that tech oligarchs in Silicon Valley with you know, a hyper-partisan political bias are trying to damage our, our, democracy, our democratic institutions, our republic, banning their political opponents. So when I hear someone like Ron DeSantis or I hear about what's going on in Texas with Paxton, you know, because he's, he's going up against Twitter, I'm like, good. I don't care if you're a conservative or, or a Democrat or Republican, whatever. I've always been saying we should not allow massive monopolies to destroy our rights. So I think what DeSantis came out and said and what he's been doing, a lot of people are saying it's very presidential. You know, I think t- uh, Trump will still be the guy in 2024. But I got to say, I'm, I'm excited to see that he's taking a stand because very few have, have done enough. And I even got friends who are like not even conservatives who are like, I want to live in Florida now. And so I'm just yeah. laughing like, all right, man. And Texas. You like the guy, you know? Right. And um, so I'm going to continue to uh, play this. So you, I was just reading in your, little, in your background a little bit. People advice, your former employer described you as a lefty or progressive or for your anti-corporate politics, but others describe you as right-wing, which is I think is a good thing because you describe yourself as a social liberal 
uh, who uh, supported Bernie Sanders. Did you support Sanders in 2016? I, re- I really, really did. And, he, and I believe he let me down. But I'll, I'll clarify this, too. Go, if you go back and look at what Bernie was saying, especially at, at like Vox.com, that's V-O-X, they were, they were criticizing him because him, uh, Bernie and Trump shared policies on foreign trade, trade. and, and you know, bringing factories back. Now, I think Bernie sold out. And so within like a, you know, it, it was it was even during the debates, I was like, what's he doing? But I was I was uh, well, I, I shouldn't say young, but younger, very idealistic <laughs> and very much like Bernie seems to be the guy. And like many people, you know, I didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016, but I certainly wasn't going to vote for Hillary. And I'm certainly not going to vote for Joe Biden. So, you know, Bernie sort of changed. My views have definitely changed quite a bit. I've become especially big on the Second Amendment. Right. But that, that, that's where I was. I was, I was uh, uh, you know, like, that, like I said, Vice called me a lefty. And then the, it, the funny thing is they call me right wing. But it's like maybe it's just I'm kind of in the middle, leaning a little to the left. Politics in this country has gotten so insane. You're either far left or far right or whatever. And people can't really see that regular Americans are kind of in the middle on most of these issues. I would believe so. And I also think that when it comes to taking down the statues, America's was for our history. Everybody knew yeah. when with fourth grade when they were telling you about George Washington, they told us about slaves. In nineteen seventy six, I'm older than you. I watched you know, I was in grade school when Roots was out. And they had five days of brutality, the way they were treated by early Americans. I, who the hell watched that and thought they soft peddled slavery? Not a person. So now all of a sudden, like, well, we got to take down Lincoln was not pro-black enough. So we got to take him down and his name off grammar schools. If that is not the craziest thing you've heard, I don't know what is. Among the people, they're canceling our past. Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat, Hawaii, cut 41. Let's look down the path and say, okay, well, where does this cancel culture lead us? You see the final expression of cancel culture in Islamist terrorist groups like uh, ISIS and al-Qaeda, who, who uh, basically go and behead those who are in, they deem to be infidels or, or heretics in order to silence them, in order to protect others from being misled by, by those heretical ideas in, in the eyes of an ISIS or, or uh, al-Qaeda. She's basically not welcome in the Democratic Party anymore. And she's not even yeah. a centrist. I, I supported Tulsi. She, I was su- such a big fan. Um, I, I donated to her campaign. I was cheering for her when she, you know, when she dropped that bomb on Kamala Harris on the debate stage, and it, and it really was because I, you know, I, like I said, I've always been, you know, fairly left. I, I do disagree with Tulsi on, on certain issues, nuclear sure. power, uh, Second Amendment, for instance. Which it was like one of the last shining lights that the Democratic Party had to offer, in my opinion. And they they excised her. They they booted her out. They insulted insulted her. They smeared her. And she's right about this cancel culture stuff. They're, they're, they're just, it's, it's like 1984. You know, they, 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 they change the street names. They take down all the art, all the statues. And I, I worry because, you know, I'm 35. I just, you know, my birthday was the other day. And I'm old enough to have seen the statues. I'm old enough to have read the history. But what about the kids today who are not being taught this stuff in schools, who will not see the history, and then will be doomed to repeat it because they forgot it? And the thing is, uh, we're talking to Tim Pool now, independent journalist, commentator with a very successful uh, podcast called Tim Pool's uh, Daily Show. So, so Tim, what we were always learned about America is we really changed the world with our philosophy. From the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution, we have to live up to the Constitution. And along the way is a process of growth. 
I mean, they, we had the 1860, we had a war that was won by the North in 1865, and we needed further improvement, mainly because of the assassination of Lincoln. We would have been a lot better off had he been able to combine with the Ulysses S. Grant and Frederick Douglass and flooded teachers and housing down to the South and made the transition. We'd have a better chance of the transition. But because we didn't do it right, we had the 1960s, and we continue to make progress. But somehow along the way, it wasn't fast enough. We're not equal yeah. enough. And now this generation feels as though our past is not good enough for them. What the hell did they do that makes our past not worthy of their study? Well, it's, it's, it's actually I blame the parents. You know, I think it's the easy way to look at it. It's these kids who weren't taught why it's so important to, you know, to understand our, our, our history. I've been around the world. When I worked for Vice, I've been to all over. I've been in uh, the Middle East. I've been in, in in Europe, in Brazil, at these major conflicts and these major crises. And I and, and it's an amazing feeling when you go to these countries and you witness, you know, uh, civil unrest, fighting, revolution. You see the anger in these people's eyes, and you come back to America and realize how amazing this country is. I was in Brazil. People in Brazil don't have a right to free speech. You can, go to, you can go to jail for telling a joke. I come back to America, and you can flick off the president. I'm like, wow, we are a truly you know, great nation. <laughs> and the ideas that, that were created in the American Revolution traveled around the world. It kind of woke people up that you don't have to just bend the knee to these, these autocrats, these kings, yep. that it's the government is for, of, by the people. And now what's scary is the, the, the things that are getting removed – Statues. I don't. I don't care what the statue represents or what it is. It's a piece of history. You might not like the person the statue is of, but it's a reminder. So that every day when you walk past that, you see a statue of Lincoln and the slave being freed. You ask yourself, what does that mean? Why is it here? And then there will be an, an elder who will say, Well, the statue was put here to commemorate that we as a country decided slavery was wrong and we fought to end it and we won. They removed that statue. So these kids are going to grow up never seeing or hearing this, and it makes me worried. They're going to bring back the bad ideas that we got rid of, and we try to, we try to remember why we got rid of them. So what bothers me most is America was exporting this culture, this constitution. We'd help out. We do write huge checks around the world, and we still represent the, um, the world's best hope of freedom. But now we're exporting this woke culture, and Douglas Murray joined me now for— uh, is a deep thinker, writer who just wrote uh, Madness of Crowds. He joined me from England today about Pierce Morgan getting out, losing his job because he disagreed with Meghan Markle and thought she lied. And he talked about what's happening in America that's now happening there. Cut 44. People like me who have always been admiring and friendly towards America are starting to worry about this. American culture wars seem to now be going around the world, and they are epitomized in the form of Meghan Markle, now the Duchess of Sussex. And now we see the example of Piers Morgan simply saying something that a lot of people in Britain think, like a lot of people around the world, which is that Meghan Markle was at the very least exaggerating, most likely just lying in a range of things she said in her Oprah Winfrey interview. And for that, now Piers Morgan has lost his job. He's right, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. Meghan Markle uh, apparently said that she was mentally ill. She had suicidal thoughts and was seeking help, and she was rejected. And Piers Morgan said, I don't believe that for a minute. And I, I agree with Piers. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if even a, a child off the street went to someone in the royal family and said, I'm feeling you know, ill and need help, they would help this person. I mean, anybody would. It's just a crazy story. But then Piers Morgan apparently 
41,000 people complained, and then he walks off the job. What's crazy to me is that it's, it's, you've got this American actress who marries into the royal family, and now they're – it's like they're, are they going to cancel the monarchy in the U.K.? Is that how crazy the culture war has gotten? Well, not until people take a stand, but the problem is if corporate America says, I don't want to hear from Douglas Murray or Tim Poole, you're going to have a hard time getting a book deal. If it's going to have a hard time maybe getting the word out, if the podcast would carry you. And if people at Fox decide that they don't want uh, me to talk a certain way, I'm out. So I don't have my own conglomerate. I don't have my own Twitter. Uh, Nobody has their own publishing company that I know. So we could have great ideas and you could stand up to the cancel culture. But where's Parler today? They stood up and the the conglomerates got together and silenced them. Tim, we got to do this again. Congrats. How do we get your podcast? Uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, at the Tim Pool Daily Show, and I have another show. It's called Timcast IRL. Go get him, Tim. Great talking to you. Thanks. Appreciate it. You got it. Uh, back in a moment with your calls. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. What Meghan Markle said was so nasty and insinuating and destructive. She said somebody in the royal family said something about the possible skin color of their baby. This could be a totally innocuous remark. Uh, Just like you say, you know, the father's ginger. I wonder whether the baby will be ginger. It's perfectly possible that somebody said something along those lines to Harry or Meghan at some point. She tells Oprah Winfrey free that this is racism. No way is that racism. But she says it is. Now the royal family is racist. And that is Douglas Murray, uh, the madness of crowds, putting this in perspective from Britain about what American culture is doing to Britain. And now it's blowing up and targeting, it seems, the royal family. In fact, here's what the Buckingham Palace said after the interview, and it aired the next day on Tuesday. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie, that's their kid, and will always be much love for family members. Uh, For Harry to say, yeah, I heard that, but I'm not going to talk anymore about that, for Megan to say, Harry said, that's what he heard. Can you imagine if that was you in the middle? Oh, you're a racist, but we're not going to tell you who said it. But we're going to give you that label. 75% of the British kingdom, evidently in the Commonwealth of the United Kingdom, outside the country, is African-American or minority. How do you think they feel today? They're angry. They believe Megan. Is that right? Not to me. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Bill Hemmer will be joining me from the TV set, co-anchor of America's Newsroom, 9 to 11. He'll be great. 
And Krista Ruffo is standing by, director of Discovery Institute Center on Wealth and Poverty Writer for City Journal as well. So we'll get his take. Uh, big critic of, uh, as I am, of critical race uh, theory and, the, and everything involved with it. And what we're seeing now with this cancel culture in our country. So we'll discuss all that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. New York's embattled governor remains defiant in the face of a new allegation of inappropriate behavior. This comes from a current unidentified member of Governor Cuomo's staff at the executive mansion, according to a report by the Times Union of Albany. Yeah, here we go again. Then there were six. Yes, another woman coming forward saying Governor Andrew Cuomo harassed her. Her name not known, but did say it happened in the governor's mansion this year. Cuomo's remarks, the mounting pressure, and why New York state lawmakers, uh, well, what they can and will do. Number two. Because what we're finding today, by continuing to, to pay more for people who are unemployed and not giving them incentive to go back to work, you find this time and again, where's the accountability? Where's the work incentive to get people working again? And Kevin McCarthy's actually on the House floor at this moment because the rescue package is about to pass. It's popular with people because they like getting checks. When you all find out what's in it, you will be fuming. Also, the facts are missing when it comes to CDC guidelines to opening up schools. How do I know? The people that gave the CDC the facts said they were totally misconstrued and misrepresented. They put an editorial together in the USA Today to set the record straight. Number one. Is this a crisis at the border? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Is there a crisis at the border? Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the uh, um, the answer is no. No. That's Mayorkas. He says no. The world says yes. Anyone with two eyes and a mouth says yes. Southern border invasion. The numbers are horrific. Even the mass media is demanding answers. You just heard it. Their stories are crumbling. I understand there's pressure. I'll bring you the numbers, the facts, and the latest on the crisis. Uh, first off, Chris Ruffo, welcome. Great to be with you. Hey, Chris, first off, on what's happening at the border, do you find it hard to believe that anyone would characterize it uh, anything but a crisis? Uh, Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the the facts are plain, but what we've seen is that uh, facts and narrative can sometimes diverge uh, very violently and very far apart, where you have uh, all of the organs of official opinion from the New York Times on down uh, maintaining a fiction that, unfortunately, at least half the country believes. So if uh, we've been through this before under three administrations, maybe four. I mean, President Obama, we saw it, uh, we, and, and it was Vice President Biden that flew into the Triangle countries to get these governments to rein their people in and to create some type of compromise. And I think he wrote big checks. And then we saw it with President Trump just two years ago, big time. And the, all the consternation was about what are you doing with unaccompanied minors? So that's a crisis. I, I thought it was how you handled it was going to be key. But we're not getting that, and you're not getting leadership from the top where President Trump wouldn't stop talking about it. Joe Biden won't talk about it. Here is his. Uh, here are some reporters trying to get to the bottom of this with uh, the director, uh, Mayorkas. Cut to. At this point, is this a crisis at the border? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Is there a crisis at the border, sir? Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the uh, um, the answer is no. So we'll see how this uh, plays out. I was fascinated to see what Ron Klain just said, blaming Trump. 
we inherited a real mess. We inherited the facilities we have. We uh, are committed to a policy that uh, follows the rule of law and that is humane. Uh, and we are doing our best to surge capacity to the border, uh, particularly for these children who arrive here without parents, to house them in a way that's safe, to house them in a way that's humane. I don't know. Um, just a little disconcerted, Chris, because there was about about 100 kids there before when Trump took over, when Trump gave up the reins. And now there are 3,250 and they're blaming the facilities. Is that missing the mark? Yeah, it's missing the mark because they obviously can't continue the rhetoric that was even just a few months ago, that there were kids in cages. That was the line that you heard over and over and over. And now that Biden's taken over, there are, uh, if you follow that line, more kids in cages than ever, but they're unwilling to uh, take responsibility for their own accusations. And I I think really the saddest part is that the the media, the press corps, during the press briefings, is really giving them a pass. I think it wouldn't be the case otherwise. And uh, it's just a sad sign for our, 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 our press corps and our uh, national reporters. Let's, let's talk about what else is happening, and that's this whole cancel culture. Uh, the latest one is a series of Disney movies that are no longer going to be available for children on their own. They're going to have to get their parents' permission to watch Dumbo, to watch Aristocrats. Uh, what's going on here? Well, I think this is, again, shows the, the really extreme cultural power of the left. It's not only through uh, censorships and cancellations, but in many cases, uh, people and corporations feel so scared of being uh, called out or identified as, as transgressing this, this cultural regime that they actually self-cancel in, in anticipation of, of this uh, kind of censorship. So I, I think that listeners should really understand that this is a kind of a hypocritical problem that is done deliberately. So uh, while you have Dumbo and Dr. Seuss getting removed from the shelves, removed from uh, viewership, you also have something like drag queen story time at public libraries throughout the country. And you have to ask, which is more controversial uh, to show children, a kind of drag queen simulating sex acts in a public library or a kind of 1940s or 1950s Disney movie. Everybody knows the answer to that question, but we have such fear at addressing it, most people remain silent. I mean, there's this, uh, this high school, um, the city you write in the City Journal, I guess, uh, or the City Journal, which you write for, that talked about uh, Newton's laws, physics, laws of physics, three fundamental laws of physics. They say that we need to decenter whiteness and we need to acknowledge that there's more than just Newton in physics. Is the, I didn't know there was a thirst to expand physics to make it less white. I mean, does that, does that almost sounds like the onion. It, it does. And I mean, it's like, you know, Newton, I feel like it's like nothing is out of bounds for these folks. I mean, they really are in a kind of campaign to erase everything in history that has what they call whiteness. And, uh, you know, people from all different cultures and civilizations, it's always a mixed bag. Uh, you know, European culture has some great things, some bad things, same thing with Asian and African culture. Uh, but they're really singling out uh, kind of white European culture as inherently evil. And even those uh, incredible accomplishments of this civilization, such as Newton's discoveries of the laws of physics, uh, even those things that are scientifically Uh, uncontroversial and and heralded as as huge accomplishments. They have to go because of the color of Newton's skin. Uh, It's totally ridiculous, and I'm afraid that it's going to continue 
uh, at least in the short term. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, a professor has compiled a ranking of, and from the University of Dayton, compiled a ranking of law schools by the percentage of white first-year students and encouraged schools to eliminate excessive whiteness by ending the use of standardized tests in admissions. So if people want to get a criteria and a benchmark to find out where students belong, that's white? That's exactly right. So the the idea in the past, the kind of Civil Rights Act after 1964, the idea was to treat everyone equally under a colorblind system so that people can be judged on their accomplishments and their merits and their character uh, rather than their skin color. This is a huge step forward in our country. But the, the far left is now very unhappy with this because they say that Uh, uh, judging people based on their academic accomplishments through standardized tests like the SATs favors oppressor groups such as whites and Asians who are considered white adjacent and disfavors oppressed groups such as Latinos and African Americans. So what they're doing and what this professor is saying is that actually excess whiteness should be eliminated. I mean, very kind of horrific language, but the idea is that um, white people, white students who score better on, on their SATs or their LSAT and other tests don't deserve to be in these institutions. Therefore, you should get rid of those measurement tools and apportion positions in law schools and universities uh, on the basis of skin color, uh, not academic accomplishment. Um, I, it's, uh, it's unbelievable that we're actually hearing this. You know what's also unbelievable is that you write that Europe is pushing back on this. England, France, Italy, Hungary, Brazil, uh, South America, obviously. Uh, has rattled the American left, you write, because of this uh, push to eliminate whiteness. There's a pushback, even some on the left, pushing back about this new school of thought, the critical race theory, so to speak. Yeah, it's actually it's actually quite uh, quite fun to watch. The Europeans, even the French, who uh, historically, you know, in the, in the mid-century exported a lot of the bad ideas of postmodernism and other ideologies, they're starting to look at Americans and say, wow, these Americans are going way too far. They're way overboard. This woke culture is undermining civilization. And I have a, actually a French documentary crew flying out to, to meet me here in Seattle to, to film uh, talking about these issues and their idea is to bring it back to French television to warn the French people about yep. the excesses of the American left. So when the Europeans are concerned that Americans are going too far left, you know you have a problem. Um, and uh, I'm grateful to my, my friends uh, across the Atlantic who are starting to fight back. And we really have to make this a kind of, uh, a kind of effort across boundaries, across the whole of the West, uh, to, to resist this uh, madness. This, uh, this, uh, Christopher Rufo with us now, writes for City Journal and director of the Discovery Institute Center on Wealth and Poverty. You know, and when this first happened, I'm thinking just a knee-jerk reaction is, wow, where, where's, what part of Europe is this coming from? And it's not. We started this taking down of statues, names off buildings, a war on our past. Pierce Morgan, who's been over here but spent most of his time over there and was full-time employed until he walked off the set yesterday, joined us Monday on television and said this about America's left. Cut 33. I think it's completely out of control. And, of course, at the root of this woke illiberalism is this extraordinary reality where they're not liberals at all. They actually just only want to have what they like in the world. They're not prepared to countenance people having different views. And I say that as someone who's more liberal myself than not. But this this cancel culture, this eradication of history, this rewriting of everything, this inability to allow or tolerate anything that you don't believe yourself, it's the antithesis of liberalism. It's the enemy of democracy. And it's got to stop. 
He's right. I mean, it's basically what we've been saying. I just want to get his perspective from the outside in. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I think that uh, this is a really <laughs> real dividing line. If you look at the societies in France and England, uh, they're proud of their heritage. They obviously recognize that it's not all perfect. You can always keep making progress. But they're not ready to burn down all of their history and their culture. And in the United States, unfortunately, we have this narrative that has taken hold that's very powerful, very hard to resist, that we're a kind of fundamentally racist nation, and therefore all of our uh, civilizational accomplishments are illegitimate and should be erased. Um, this, though, unfortunately, is completely false. Uh, every nation is a balance of good and bad. Obviously, the United States isn't perfect, uh, but we've always moved the entire world yeah. towards greater freedom and equality. Every step of our history, we should be proud of it, uh, and we should not mistake, uh, you know, we should not mistake our, our country for this image that is being pro- pro- being kind of proportioned by the left. Chris, lastly, you you talk about this stunning news in Arizona, the Department of Education. They are claiming that babies are not born colorblind. There are signs of racism in children, toddlers. Yeah, that's a story that I broke, and thankfully the Arizona Department of Education has now launched an official investigation into these materials. But Arizona is a red state with a red governor, a red state senate, a red state house, uh, and they're teaching teachers through their Department of Education that babies can become show the first signs of racism by three months old and become full-fledged racists who have absorbed their racist culture by four and five years old. Um, this is not only totally anti-scientific, but it goes against anyone's, anyone's common sense and experience. I have kids. I, I think you have kids as well. And uh, I can tell you that uh, four- and five-year-old kids are, are not racist. And the idea coming from the Department of Education in Arizona that they are all you know, bigoted by the time that they reach kindergarten is so far off the mark, it's just stunning that this material would even be created. Well, thanks for moving it forward. I mean, I just can't believe the outrageousness of the of the amount of outrageous stories that I get every day. I mean, one goes crazier <laughs> than the next. It's hard to – I mean, I cannot believe what's going on here uh, in our country. And, I, and <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable, Chris, but thank you very much for talking about it and writing about it. Chris Rufo, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. 1-866-408-7669. Gave you a lot. Gave you the big three and cancel culture. I'll take your calls next. Welcome to Bill Hammer. We'll finish up with more to know. Events and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. In each of these uh, instances, you can look at a lot of these characters, even at the time that they were invented, you can always make the argument that they were social commentary at the time. You could right. always make the argument today that they're educational, if you have a problem, if you think it's a stereotype. Uh, but that's not the point, obviously. It's more of this, these, these, this, this cachet of canceled critters that seems to have been amped up, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss. And that is part of the cancel culture that's been brought up. And Tucker talked about it last night uh, on his show, and we, uh, we've talked about it here. Uh, and that is uh, that's Chadwick Moore. And he was arguing against this cancel culture. You've got to be kidding. What I thought really stuck out with me is when Bill Maher started bringing this up about a year and a half ago, 
And he wasn't really sticking up for Republicans. He was saying, well, should you be canceling the president of the United States? Should you be messing with people's tweets? Should you be getting rid of people, making them apologize or, or silencing them forever because you don't agree? And the answer, of course, is no. And what I think of this is Tartar has a liberal cause and it boomeranged and it started taking them out. And now they're saying, how do we stop this? Cam listening in Orlando, Florida. Hey, Cam. Hey, yeah, I just want to say it's time to cancel Lady Gaga. Uh, she is a horrible pro-racist. So if you follow me here for one second, uh, you were talking about that Arizona policy where they're teaching three-month-olds. Yes, that they're racist. racist. Yep. That's, that's essentially saying that they're racist at birth. They're born racist. It's genetic. They are born that way. And Lady Gaga says we need to embrace everybody who's born that way. Oh, that's a good point. If her songs mean anything to her, she does write her own lyrics. Bob, listening in Florida. Hey, Bob. Um, I think I have a solution to fixing uh, social media. Anybody that doesn't depend on Facebook or Twitter for their business should just cancel their accounts. I mean, can't you email or talk to or, or message your, your friends and relatives? I mean, you could do, do that. Do we really need Facebook and Twitter? I know. I mean, that's what uh, – I mean, I would do it if it wasn't so necessary for me to continue to get the word out on, on stuff I'm doing and things, things that are going on. It helps me follow the news. But if I was not in business, I'd be perfectly fine putting the phone down and using it to contact people and using it to answer emails. But I'm, I'm personally not on the social media a lot. Do you find that most people are living on Snapchat and Instagram? You know, I have a lot of friends and relatives that are still on Facebook. They only use it to communicate with their friends and stuff and all. I mean, can't you just call them or text them or something? You know, I mean, that's, you got to cut off their money. That's the only way we're going to fix them is cut off their money. I hear Anybody, you. Any business that advertises on network news. I would say this. I, the way they all came together, who the competitors from Google to Facebook to Twitter – uh, to Amazon and just shut down the President of the United States and then destroyed Parler all in a matter of hours and days. That was the most disturbing thing I've seen. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And I just want you to know, we're not going to change course just because of, of a few naysayers and, and doomsdayers. So to the California critics out there who are promoting partisan political power grabs with outdated prejudices and rejecting everything that makes California truly great, we say this. We will not be distracted from getting shots in arms and our economy booming again. This is a fight for California's future. Right. No, it's more like Gavin Newsom's uh, future. Bill Hemmer's here. He's the same Bill Hemmer you watched for at least two hours today, uh, co-anchor of America's Newsroom. 
Uh, and you can follow him at Bill Hammer on Twitter. Very easy to spell. H-E-M-M-E-R. That's right. Like a hammer with an E. Exactly. Uh, you can that, do it any you different. Get, you got that, right? Yeah. Never, uh, it's always yeah. good to link your name to something visual. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Gavin Newsom going to save himself sitting Listen, in front of an empty Dodger we're all, stadium? We're all going to be just fine. Right. I think the rollout of the vaccination has been amazing. And not enough people are stopping to recognize it. Now you got J&J out there. They've administered at least 300,000. Those numbers are going to climb by the day. And J&J is the good one because it's one shot. There's no refrigeration. You're going to see those numbers on that map change dramatically right. throughout the month of March and the entire month of April. I think we're going to be a whole different country in two months. You know, the other thing is, I hope you don't mind, you, you don't mind me saying this, is sure. I do not believe in American technology. I'm saving money for the Sputnik. And that is the <laughs> Russian vaccine because they did it so quick and they're so learned. Yeah. Well, here's my, my, my feeling is that I, it's I can't, so transparent. We can't speak for the rest of the world, but America's going to have a good summer. And what the kill I think meat, spring. Uh, you, no, I agree with you. But I mean, as we move into the summertime, it's like the Kilmeade family is going to be like, okay, mom, dad, what do we do? And you're not going to fly out of the country, you won't leave here, but you'll be. You'll be pushing your imagination to figure out what sort of American trip you can take as a family. And that's going to be awesome for all of us. I agree. I mean, I, I really think we've, we've turned uh, the corner in many respects. And I just think that it's just so interesting that Connecticut can come out and say, we're going to drop restrictions. You know, the mass mandate I want to mm-hmm. give you, but everything else, go 100 percent. No problem. Texas comes out and has a press conference. Yeah. That's an issue. Missouri, that's an issue. Yeah. No, excuse me, Mississippi. That's an issue. 18 states have dropped the mask mandate. So it's amazing the way we target people for yeah. opening up rather than learn from people about what they're doing. Those Neanderthals. What about you? I, I mean, that I, was the unscripted Joe Biden. What are they talking about, right? Right. The unscripted mm-hmm. Joe Biden. Is that why we haven't seen him at all since the Neanderthal I, I'm comment? Sh- I'm not sure. We're going to see him tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, right? Oval Office. I do believe Oval Office. Maybe the East Room. Well, he's got to sure. take questions. We don't need a speech. No, we don't know if he's taking questions. You don't know if he's I, taking questions? I think it's uh, just an address conference. about COVID one year later, I think. Oh, no, really? no, I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this labeled as a press conference? I don't think so. I'm going to put my best person on it. I think, or, or I, Eric. I think, I think it's a <laughs> statement to teleprompter that we're all going to sit and watch. And then next week, he goes out to various parts of the country to sell the, uh, the COVID bill that should, I guess, pass in the House today. Now, what would Roger Ailes say? To uh, Joe they Biden, if you watch cameras everywhere here. This is unbelievable. Yeah, we're a Fox Nation. I mean, what an upgrade this right. is. Right. Uh, I fired all my cameramen. Uh-huh. And now it's just like heat. Uh, it's robots. The, yeah. They're robots. So uh, have you ever been on Fox Nation? Yes, I have. Right. And now you, you're also on the Rush story, right? Yes. On Fox Nation. Yes. I'm also on that. I'm probably featured. I haven't seen the final mm. cut. You're featured everywhere. Right. Uh, so Bill. Who works harder? Right. I got four books in front of me right now. I got Jefferson and Washington and two on Jefferson. Right. No, one's a young adult book. Ah, they made gotcha. For All right. And Andrew Jackson's over there, too. Right. Okay. Stream of consciousness. You kind of threw me. Ha, yeah. No yeah. problem. How amazing was it when Trump went to the Oval Office on his first day? You're writing a book on Andrew Jackson. He puts Jackson's portrait in the Oval Office, and you get a picture next to it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, this guy... Lives a life of serendipity. In a way. Really. At least that moment. Amazing. Well, for him to like Andrew Jackson because he was the outsider rich guy that nobody liked and understood. And when he got into the White House, I remember what I was going to say. If you are watching Joe Biden and you're Roger Ailes or a brilliant communicator Mm -hmm. like that, what do you say? Who? um, Are you saying what does Roger say to Joe Biden? After watching Joe Biden on camera deliver an address. 
I, I don't know. Uh, listen. Um, and I'm not talking about mental health. That's nothing to do with me. I'm not an expert. There. Yeah. Move the prompter in. Right? Either that or get contacts. Yeah, maybe. He listen, looks as though he can't see the prompter. I, I will Move tell it up. you um, just a little anecdote here. At the inauguration from the West Capitol, um, what I always like to do, Brian, at these big events, whether they're conventions or big speeches or inauguration speeches, is to position myself in a way where I can get in between the main speaker and the teleprompter. And I want to read the prompter while they're delivering the speech. And you can pick up all sorts of nuance sure. on that. Uh, this prompter was the size of a garage door. I, it, was, it was huge. It was huge. I mean, I'm talking like 10 by 12 feet. Now, listen, it was 50 yards away, so I grant you that. But it was I've never seen a teleprompter of that size before. I don't know if that's what they were using there in the campaign, maybe something similar to it. Uh, and then he had two on the side as well. A uh, few things I remember is that there was emphasis put into the script. And the script had different colors that would denote, you know, when we're going to pause, when we're going to uh, build. I, I think the phrase was build to a strong finish. I believe that's what I remember, parenthetically, in parentheses. And uh, I, I'd never seen it like that before. But there was one moment when he, you know, Trump wasn't there, and he, he said, I want to thank my predecessors for being here, and he motioned behind him. And the next three lines in the prompter were, President Obama, President Bush, and President Clinton. He skipped over those three lines. I applaud him for that because had he read it, it would have pointed out even more the fact that Trump wasn't there. Good point. Yeah, uh, that's good, good, good to pick I, up listen, on that. I have no idea. I know Sean's, Sean's been on this story at 9 o'clock Eastern time every night. I think it's very interesting. I, I don't know why Kamala Harris is doing all the phone calls with the foreign leaders. Maybe that's normal. Um, is that a change or adjustment in their style? Um, arguably, you could say yes. You know, she talks with the leader of France. I think she talked to Boris Johnson, I do believe. And then there's Norway that's always h- hanging out there a little bit. I, I don't know why that strategy is, but um, I, I know people are watching it. And do you have a an observation or conclusion? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he, can't get, he can't work two days in a row in front of public. That's what you think. I think that he fatigues so easily. I think they, um, you know, for the longest time they said that, and I remember Reagan too, they were worried about him because they said he delegated so much, how much has he got his hands on? But he would always step up when the press conferences happen, uh, when he would spar. But this is what worries me. Now, I am somebody that forgets basic things sometimes, like I'll just get, um, I've noticed the last couple of years more than anything else, I had to sleep more. So I'm never going to be critical of somebody who forgets a name or something obvious. But I thought this was so terrible. You don't have it? When he forgot the name of the Pentagon, yeah, in the and the, and what General ago. Austin's title was, yeah. Secretary of Defense. Uh, I I I don't disagree. It wasn't a good look. Um, these things happen sometimes. You're on camera a lot. I think this president's on camera considerably less than other presidents. Uh, you think of what we went from to yeah. Let, how let's he let's can... listen to this, Bill. Sure. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the. Sec- the the uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about. Okay. Two things I would say. It's, I mean, if you're working on his staff, you don't want to see that. And you're probably cringing inside, not on camera, but inside. Would you agree? Totally. Second thing you mentioned, Reagan. This was all second term stuff for Reagan. Yeah, and I think it was all, it was 
primarily the last two years of his second term. It wasn't during the first 100 days. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, the, no one's ever talking about reelection too with him and Kamala Harris. They don't seem reasonably very tight. Uh, I want you to hear with him. Just I want to give you something you haven't seen before, but I think we might have gotten this from your show. But I want to share with everyone. Okay. Whose fault is the border? Bill, what do, what do you, as a discerning newsman, I, I, I think is, it, is it hard to blame President Trump for the border? I, I think it's pretty clear that they worked really hard and their policies were tough, but they were tough for a reason because they were trying to send a different message. You can argue whether that was the right message or not, but over time it worked. And then, So all of these decisions yeah. are – the decisions they made and the result of them are now self-inflicted. No question, but – Ron Klain, with a very friendly media, the chief of staff for President Biden, said this. We inherited a real mess. We inherited the facilities we have. We uh, are committed to a policy that uh, follows the rule of law and that is humane. Uh, And we are doing our best to surge capacity to the border, uh, particularly for these children who arrive here without parents, to house them in a way that's safe, to house them in a way that's humane. Okay. No. The first part of that statement is just not correct. It's not accurate. The, the, the border had a, a sense of calm after yeah. a number of turbulent years. Bill, you could argue in one of his greatest moments for President Trump, because it got through the darkest times, he went and dealt, got deals with those three countries, Ecuador, Guatemala, and Honduras. Yeah. Number two— it wasn't easy. Yeah. Number two, he actually was building the barrier with technology and has the financing to build another 200 miles. We are yeah. choosing not to spend that money on that. Number three, he got Mexico with a socialist leader, right, to put Marines on his southern border and have a Remain in Mexico policy— it's 70,000 people there. Uh, you, you raise really – these are legitimate points. And I, I would offer now that, you know, with the construction of the wall stopping, you, you have what I didn't realize, but you have quality roads that run up and down that border that are now being used by the cartels. Do you believe smugglers. that? We made it's, roads for our I, border I, patrol. It's it, now being used by the other side. None of it's acceptable. Yeah. Well, Bill, when we come back – a chance for you to therapeutically grow as a person oh, nice. because <laughs> maybe I overstated it. Uh, no, I'm willing to. I mean, I, it sounds like a great idea. Right. I mean, stuff you couldn't do in your two hours. Uh-huh. We're able to take stories that didn't make the headlines okay. and find out if you need to know more. Okay. Right on. It's Brian Kilmeade. So, this is. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. It's time to, I don't know, examine whether Bill Hemmer needs to know more. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Uh, it's, of course we still do it. I'm sponsored who, now. Who, who, who do you do this with? You, I, I do it by myself a lot of times. I mean, but with your guests, right? Yeah, okay. but I love to do it, but I also do it by myself. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. that, that's how talented I am. <laughs> so you're going to love this story. You actually get BS. Uh, you actually can BS a BSer. People often fool themselves, most likely 
do get duped themselves. This is going to a new study uh, that's out of Canada. Their researchers say a team at the University of Waterloo finds that those who regularly try to impress or influence others, usually misleading, impressively sounding misinformation, frequently buy into the same junk they sell to okay, others. Okay, so they, they fall for the same stuff then, right? Because... That's how they're wired. Right. But these t- this team believes their findings will help reveal how misinformation is able to spread and how individuals can defend against buying into fake news. So mm. this is counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Because if you are somebody that makes up stuff, you know the mm-hmm. combination and how to identify it. But not according to the Canadians, who are basically still locked yeah. in. Who's a better BSer, you or me, do you think? I would think... I think it's definitely you. Thank you. I, I think you hurt. <laughs> oh I'm pretty sure you hurt I, my feelings. In fact, six hours a day. Thank you. Next. An entire staff of Nevada Democratic Party quit when the socialists won key leadership position. This, to me, is emblematic of what's happening on mm. the left. Democrats are unhappy with Democrats, right? Manchin and AOC, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Because Schumer they're not, AOC. not progressive enough, but they're getting things done. Really? The COVID bill was enormous. People have no idea the ramifications for $2 trillion over the next 10 years. This is massive. And and, and, and if you keep unity and right in the fall you're going to do infrastructure that may be tied to tax increases... In one year, you're going to have two massive bills that get pushed through. Right. Uh, but if inflation goes up and you give people oh, certain things yeah, and no good. libraries. Yeah. Next. Can I ask you something? Yep. How many Democrats in the House vote against this bill when it comes up, if it's today? Uh, they say one. Okay. Uh, they there was say a, last time there was two. There was two last time. I yeah. heard the premature was D- one. So to your question then, do any progressives in the House come back unsatisfied because minimum wage has been stripped out or other things in the Senate? Well, side? evidently when Senator Sanders, Mr. Socialist, said this is the most progressive thing mm-hmm. I've ever signed, how does AOC vote against it, right? Okay. All right. I'm not saying she's going to vote against it. Right. Next. Yes. That was not part of the stack. Lady Gaga's dog napping and dog walker shooting may have been part of a gang initiation. Uh, Last month, you know, uh, uh, Fisher was walking along, uh, Ryan Fisher was walking along when he was shot. He was walking with three dogs. So this was somebody who was trying to get in a gang. I don't know if they were going for the dogs or Uh going for Lady Gaga's dogs. That's news to me. So they were going after the guy walking the dogs, right? Right. We thought. So we think that the guy walking the dogs knew the the guys who shot him, correct? Uh, That, I don't know. Is that the inference that I'm getting from this story? No, the inference is that they were just looking for three dogs. Oh. They did not know it was Gaga's dogs. Mm -hmm. The stolen dogs were recovered by a woman who is not free well, might be I, a suspect. I will tell you, um, when the story happened, I did say there's more to know on this thing, and um, clearly there is. Still. Uh, next, Michelle Obama, NASA mathematician Katherine Johnson, and Mia Hamm are all among the inductees for the 2021 National Women's Hall of Fame. You don't believe there should be one. Is that true, Bill? <laughs> Is that true? Yes or no? I never said anything of oh, the sort. I must say, bad research. Stirring the and pot. Pete, you're both Ter- in trouble. Terrible. Pass that, was, that was not part of my talking I know. Uh, Helen Keller's in there. Uh, you were not God against bless. her going in there. Which you wanted Coretta Scott King and Lucille Ball. God this, bless them all. The ceremony is going to be October 2nd. Keep okay. your calendar right. open. 10-2-21. Next, I have seen, I have a feeling you know this person. Roger Mudd passed away at 93. You know him? I never met him. Oh. Okay. Great life. Yeah. I mean, ran the circuit for the networks. 
when everything was clean. ABC, NBC. Right. He made the story the story, not yeah, him. So respected. Next. God bless. Patrick Mahomes' newborn daughter gets a letter of intent already from Texas Tech. <laughs> Is this the right move? Sorry, the daughter's how old? Um, days. Uh, okay, I mean, why, why not take the chance, <laughs> right? I guess Brittany Matthews, who he uh, uh, married, Patrick Mahomes married, got a letter of intent for their daughter to play soccer. Uh-huh. Already they picked the sport Bro, and the school. It's all about the DNA, as you and Don know. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, next, <laughs> Americans without college degrees dying three years earlier. You, Peter Jennings, didn't get it. Say that again? Men without college degrees Uh died three years earlier than men with college degrees. This is a 2018 study. Mm. Find that Americans with a four-year bachelor's live 48.2 years after their 25th birthday, 45.1 if you did not have it. Why is this? Why is that? The study says that there are nearly as... The American lifespan has been on the rise, mortality on the rise uh, since the late 80s. But during the 21st century, that progress stalled for those not going to college, for two-thirds of Americans without a degree, we have not gotten an answer to why. Yeah, okay, I don't know. I, Which I, is why I, it didn't I, make your show. Uh, correct, yes. If I no, don't have a why, no, it never would have made no it. clear show. answer there. There's not. I, I mean, what, do you learn more in college about how to be healthier? I don't think so. What I could say you're is You're drinking this. more beer is what you're doing. Yes, please. I'm trying to answer your question. I'll return, sir. Blue-collar workers oftentimes are putting their body, life, and limb on the line. Miners, for example, without the gas mask, might be doing some things. That others don't have to do if you don't get to go to the okay. 15th floor and do radio like you I, and I. I I'd buy that. I think. Right. Maybe. Sort but until of. I get an answer, not yeah, on your show. I believe it. We're going to watch Bill Hemmer from 9 to 11. Thank you, brother. There's and always more to know. <laughs> that's. There's always a need to know more. Right. Fox Nation, by the way, uh, Bill Hemmer, you made your debut on Live Fox Nation. Hope we can do this again. When did that start? I'm not sure. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.